So some of you may have had the experience, some of you may not have, but of being dropped off on campus first day of college. And as you're unpacking your things, if you were perceptive, you may have noticed your parents getting antsy, maybe a little teary, and then maybe one of them uh, started to pull you aside and say something like, Son, remember, or sweetheart, just know, some of you may not have that story because you commute one mile from home to campus and never felt like that. But some of you have had that talk, and I'm, I'm not your dad, although I had that talk 18 years ago, 19 years ago. Um, but this is the closest you're going to get for this next transition into your life, probably. It's just sort of a, you know, what we're trying to do here is uh, be short and sweet to the point, let you know that you cared for, give you some wisdom for life, something to, uh, to stick. And so what I'm going to do tonight is to give you a final exam. Final comprehensive oral exam right now. Because that's what Jesus is sort of getting right here in Mark 12, 28 to 37. I'll read the text to say a few words about it, and we'll be done. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. To love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. And as he taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself and the Holy Spirit declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. Yeah, I just want to say a few words, but uh, in the form of a comprehensive oral examination. That was my last academic act in undergrad. I had a comprehensive oral exam. I think you should get one too. Jesus is asked here, and he's actually in the context of chapter 12, he's receiving a bunch of questions. Most of them uh, are not sincere. They're trying to catch him, confound him. This seems to be a genuine, sincere question. Which commandment is the most important of all? I'm going to pose this to you seniors and the rest of you as well. As you leave here for good or you leave here for the summer, what is the general rule for your life? If you could sum it all up, what's it all about? Now, there's a sense in which this could be a multiple choice question. Because there were 613 laws that Jesus could have chosen from. Or it could have been a short answer. Or it could have been an essay. And looking at Jesus' answer, it's not really easy to tell which one of these it is. Uh, because Jesus is asked, which is the most important question? And he responds with verses 29 through 31. And if you've paid attention at all in English up to this point, you should know that he does something funny 
And the, the scribe says, which is the most important commandment? And Jesus says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. I didn't hear an, an imperative. I didn't hear a commandment. That's an indicative. That's a statement. That's not a commandment at all. And then he goes on. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and understanding, and so on. Okay, that's an imperative. That's a commandment. That's good. That's the most important one. Well, actually, I'm not done. Love your neighbor as yourself. Clearly, Jesus, you didn't hear me. I said, which is the most important? Don't you know what a superlative is? There's only like one answer to what's the most important. You give me one indicative clause and, and two imperatives. One statement, two commands. You're cheating. Come on, pick one. And I think Jesus' response here is, that is one. This is the one commandment. This is the answer. And for those of you that are leaving, I would want to say, Christianity is a wonderful, full, rich uh, reality. But if you've got to boil it down, it's about this. You've got to boil it down. Who is Jesus? Who is God? Loving God. Loving neighbor. So Jesus, I think, is saying, there's one answer here. And it begins with knowing the one God. In verse 29, he's actually quoting from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy chapter 6. He's instructing Israel how to worship him. He says, you need to know who I am. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am the God who redeems you from slavery, who brings you and makes you my own people. You need to know that. And you need to remember that. You need to remember who it is that you worship. It's the one true God who created all things when time and space came in the person of Jesus. And that's why I read the rest of the text. The Old Testament tells us about this God, Yahweh, and it also makes it clear that He has a Son that's going to come and fulfill His purposes here on earth, who's going to bring about the redemption of all things, who's going to ransom His people. And He's a, he's a spectacular uh, individual. Jesus is confounding the scholars here by saying in verse 37, David's talking about this person who's supposed to come, his heir, the king, the Messiah. It's supposed to be someone from his lineage, and yet David calls him Lord. How is this the case? And what Jesus is doing is giving his own testimony. That's me, royal son of David, in the flesh, here walking among men, but I'm also the son of God. And I left my throne above with the Father to draw near and do His will. This is the one God that you're called to know. And you see Him most clearly in the person of Jesus. And this one God you're supposed to love with all of you. One God, all of you. God in time has worked through Jesus to draw you near. As good as He is, frankly, you prefer yourself more. He knows that. And Jesus has willingly given his life for you, that he might draw you near. How are you to respond with all of you? In verse 30, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I want you to sit there for a second and just realize, the scripture realizes how complex a human being you are. Sometimes you're a complex mess. But even on your best days, if you stop and think about it, you're a pretty complex mixture of thoughts and feelings, will, history, ambition. God knows all that because he made you that way. And he wants you to know that there is a way in which you can be unified. 
Another way of saying this is God wants you to worship you with one heart. To not be double-minded. To be a person of integrity. And we're almost always duplicitous and fractured and split and scattered. And we always will be till we die to an extent. There's an invitation here, and a commandment. The God who died for you, in Jesus, in the person of Jesus, uh, who gave his life for you, deserves all of you. But also, he is big enough and good enough for all of you. You see, you're afraid, perhaps, to trust yourself to him. Maybe he's not good enough. Maybe it's boring. Maybe I won't derive enough life and joy and peace from a relationship with him. I've got to hang on to other things. I'm not saying other things are bad. But hear this, that you can love God with all your heart, and it will not exhaust you. It will not empty you. I think we're afraid of that sometimes. If I pour myself wholeheartedly into God, then what will happen to my studies, or my ambition, or my relationships? And what you need to know is this is not a a relationship that drains you. It's not a, a relationship that evacuates or empties you and destroys you. It's a relationship that fills you. That in a relationship in which you walk with Jesus in a vital union, you find in him a fountain of flowing love. The more you pursue him, the more you know his love and peace. So much so that you become an overflowing fountain. He himself, Jesus, is an overflowing fountain of love. He doesn't get tired of loving you. The more you pursue him, the more you experience that reality in your own life. And you become an overflowing fountain even me sometimes, <laughs> become an overflowing fountain of love so that you are called to love others as yourself. And as the text puts it here, to love your neighbor as yourself means that we're to call to love whomever, wherever. That's Jesus' definition of neighbor. It's very broad. Yeah, I could go to other places in the text and show you that. Some of you are going to stay here, and all your friends are going to leave. And some of you, your friends are going to stay here, and you're going to leave. That's right. Pouty lips, sad faces. I'm sorry. What does it mean to love whoever, wherever? Well, it means to care for them. It means to pursue them as Jesus pursued you. It means to give them the benefit of the doubt, like you give yourself the benefit of the doubt. But it also means that wherever you go, you should be the kind of people that build community, because you take the initiative. You have a God of the universe that loves you, that gave himself for you. You're good. You have an unbreakable love and a relationship with him. And you don't need to be marked by insecurity and fear. You can pursue others. They're the neighbor. You're called to love them. Pursue people. Care for them. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Make community happen. Build it. Make friendships. This is what Jesus does. This is what you're called to do. And this is what you will do if you know the God of the universe that gives his son for you, that is a fountain of life in you. This is one commandment. It's sort of funny. Uh, Jesus concludes the whole thing. It's almost... And in verse 31, it's like, okay, and there, I told you. Uh, there is no other commandment, singular, greater than these, plural. So Jesus sort of admits there. There's a couple of things there. But there's a sense in which these things are unity. If you know the God of Scripture rightly, and you know His love, 
You will seek to love him with your whole heart. And you will be marked by love for neighbor. Friends, this is your final exam. And it's pretty much the main exam for the rest of your life. And it's not that complex. It is hard. But it's incredibly good. And I'm encouraged for you. Uh, this is the way God builds his people. This is the way God builds his kingdom. So, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that, again, you never call people to do things that you've never done. That you left the most perfect community ever and walked into one of the worst communities ever. Lord Jesus, in order to bring a people to yourself and make a people your own. Lord, help us to know your love as you've pursued us. Help us to know, Lord, the peace that we should have as a result that the God that gave himself for us in Jesus is the God that reigns over heaven and earth. It's Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father, that commands the heavens, that orders the details of our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help these seniors as they enter the next phase of life to know your love, to know your power, to be marked by both, and to be busy, joyfully building your community. Pray these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.